Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. January 2nd. Semi, the first edition of Sports Talk Mississippi of the New Year. Michael Borky was with you yesterday. He and Stephen Gagliano appreciate them spending some time with you on New Year's Day. We're glad to have you as most everybody has gone back to work. I guess we'll get the full everybody goes back to work, goes back to school on Monday. Uh, most of our crew is back as well. Rippy out for another day or so. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you on... This Tuesday? No, it's not. <laughs> it's not Tuesday. What are, I got no. What is today? Thursday. It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Yes, Thursday afternoon, the second day of the new year. Here we are. Glad to be with you. What's up, everybody? Hope you had a great New Year's Eve, a great New Year's Day yesterday. Hope you ate something that gives you good luck for the uh, the following 365 days, if you believe in that. And glad to have you along, Borky. What's up? Uh, a couple of things. First, a positive thing, and then next, a um, we can call it weird, something that's happening in my neck of the woods. First, I learned yesterday that we have some freaking loyal listeners because it's New Year's Day. There right. is nobody on the road. I mean, nobody. There, there's not a car on the road. Most people are either hungover or have the day off, and we had actual people listening to the show, texting in. A lot of the names that are familiar to us, but New Year's Day... Nobody on the road, nobody in their cars, nobody working. Everybody has the day off, and people still listen to the show yesterday, which is I love it, which is awesome. And the second thing, you may not have heard this, but Richard, there is an like a a terrorism task force investigating an explosion that happened two miles from my house the other day. No, I have not heard that. I, I mean, I just read about this. I had no idea that this was happening. There was a cardboard box. On the side of the road, and, and thankfully nobody's injured, but apparently in the close-by neighborhoods, again, I'm a couple miles away, people felt it, the explosion, to the point where it broke a couple of windows. A box exploded on the side of the road. Goodness. And they have no idea where it came from, but there was explosive material inside of this box, this cardboard box, and now they're bringing in like counterterrorism and FBI people in to investigate it because they have no Ooh. idea where it came from. And it didn't hurt a single person, thank God. But that's happening. I just learned this five minutes ago. Well? Two miles from my house. Certainly glad that nobody was injured. Oh, definitely. And, I mean, maybe it was just kids, you know, being stupid and having nothing better to do, but holy crap. So we don't think it was like a box full of fireworks? That was the initial thought, but, I mean, the headline I just read said that, you know, FBI counterterrorism people are coming in to investigate. Investigators probably going to have to wear their rain gear. Yeah. Because 
basically the entire state of Mississippi is getting rained on, and if you haven't gotten rained on yet, it's coming as a bunch of rain moves its way through. In fact, there is a bowl game that is supposed to be happening right now, and they got about seven minutes into it and then went into their second lightning delay of the game of the day. That is the Birmingham Bowl that is happening to our east. And it's Boston College and Cincinnati, and the jokes are writing themselves because Boston College's bowl game was weathered out a year ago. And uh, <laughs> I guess that possibility exists uh, again today. Hey, Dad, what's up? How was your New Year's Day yesterday? It was great. I watched football all day. It was fantastic. I enjoyed it. I watched a lot of football yesterday, too. Yeah. And, uh, you know, watched Alabama win, which wasn't surprising. Watched Minnesota win, which wasn't surprising. Uh, Georgia handling Baylor was a little more surprising than I thought it was going to be. But, yeah, it was fun. It was great. Does Zaxby's bring you good luck? Because that's what I had for lunch. Nice. Uh, did you have coleslaw? I don't eat coleslaw, no. Oh, yeah. Uh, that might have been like the cabbage piece. That the cabbage, have, uh, yeah. It could have worked for me, yeah. yeah. Oh, well. Do you have to eat cabbage on New Year's Day or is New Year's Eve acceptable? I think it's in the, in that in that window, yeah. It's got to okay. be well, day. It's got to be, man. Doesn't have to be, but hey, I blew it yesterday. We had I went to the store after the show to get everything to do the the pork and the black eyed peas and the cabbage, and they were out of all of it. So we made ribs quickly because that's all they had pork wise. Uh, we did butter beans instead of black eyed peas because that's all they had, and they only had purple cabbage, which I just cooked in bacon grease with bacon bits and a lot of salt and pepper to make it viable. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not good. It all works. But yeah. uh, I guess it functioned. There are a couple of really big stories to get to in the state of Mississippi. One of them involves Ole Miss. One of them involves Mississippi State. We're going to take our time on them. We're going to kind of unpack them as we go through the uh, the show this afternoon. As it relates to Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin continues to add names, bodies, however you want to describe it, to his coaching staff. Uh, A release from Ole Miss earlier today, and the name that is getting the most attention is that of D.J. Durkin, the former Maryland head coach who was put on administrative leave and then was brought back after he was cleared of wrongdoing. A couple of independent reports that had some damning information about the way he ran his program, but ultimately they he was cleared in any wrongful death-related issues uh, as it pertains to Jordan McNair back in 2018. There has been a lot of national reaction on both sides of the decision for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin to hire DJ Durkin. We will try to unpack that story a little bit this afternoon. And then as it relates to Mississippi State... Um, look, I, I don't want us necessarily to live in message board land and rumor and innuendo, but I think there's more to maybe what's coming out of Starkville than just rumor and cryptic message board and online posts. And that has to do with the future of Joe Moorhead. Obviously, frustration among Mississippi State fans after the Music City Bowl and we were led to believe after the Egg Bowl that Mississippi State had decided they were going to stay put and move forward with Joe Moorhead as the head coach, but there are a lot of people saying, well, there could be something else going on. 
And so we'll kind of get into some of that this afternoon as well. Hey, Dad, I guess I'll just kind of ask you, though, out of the gate, um, beyond what's just kind of floating around on the Internet, what are you hearing? What do you believe to be true with regard to what may or may not be going on around the Mississippi State football program right now with regard to the future of Joe Moorhead? That it's up in the air. And that's about as clearly as I can state it, that as of this moment in time, a change could be coming. Where is where where's that coming from? Is it come not not like from a source standpoint, but is it coming from? No, no, no. That's not what I'm asking. I'm asking: Is it coming from Mark Keenum, the university president? Is it Mm -hmm. coming from John Cohen, the athletics director? Is it coming from boosters who have decided that they want to pony up the money necessary to make a change? Is it some combination of the three of those? Is it an uprising among fans that the university leadership is responding to? I mean, how does how does this happen? I, I think that I, I, you, know, you look at state and what they did with the Egg Bowl. I think they made a decision off of one game. I, I think some of that might be happening again, but that and the the fight issue, which you know. I find sort of humorous because we had so many people, Richard, tell us, oh, those kind of things happen all the time. Well, those kind of things don't happen all the time. Your quarterback doesn't get knocked out by a linebacker all the time. And I think that there have been some question marks or some questions raised about the program, and I think that uh, you know they're in the process of answering those questions. What I hate to be Joe so cryptic, Moorhead but I just, to... I just sort of have to be that way sometimes. Do what now? I hate to be so cryptic with our listeners. I really do. But, you know, there's sometimes I, I, I can't say things. You know, I just can't. Can Joe Moorhead keep his job? Yes. How? By convincing the right people that these issues are going to get corrected and having a plan laid out to do so. What do you think the likelihood is of that happening at this point? I still think he'll be the head coach in 2020. Okay. I still think that, but it's a lot. You know, I told you Monday after the game ended, I, I there wasn't a thought in my mind that we might be talking about this on Thursday. Today we're talking about it. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi, online, streaming with you at supertalk.fm. The C Spire text line is open, 601-879-4395 is the number, 601-879-4395. There is something new that is happening at C Spire in conjunction with UMMC. You can experience health care on call, on demand, with the C Spire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician from your phone, from anywhere in the state of Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, instead of the $59 visit cost, You can have one of these visits for just $29 if you are a C Spire customer. To learn more, to download the app, you can go to cspirehealth.com. I'll tell you more about this coming up this afternoon, but it is an incredibly convenient way for you to avoid the doctor's office and maybe even save money on your current copay. Really may make sense from a financial standpoint. Again, visit cspirehealth.com. Hit us up on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395.
Next Thursday, you can join the Gallows Show from the Mississippi Economic Council's Capital Day. The day starts at the Jackson Downtown Convention Center Hotel with the event focusing on key issues that affect our state. You'll hear from Governor Lu- uh, from the Governor, Lieutenant Governor, the Speaker of the House, and other key legislators, and cap the day off with a luncheon reception to sponsor the event or to register to attend uh, MEC's Capital Day. Go to MEC. Also, uh, in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, tomorrow, legendary sportscaster and writer Leslie Visser will be his guest. That's in a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, Thursdays and Fridays, 1 to 2, on most Supertalk Mississippi stations, and of course, on demand at supertalk.fm, and available everywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. So a bunch coming up this afternoon, Ole Miss defensive coordinator, co-defensive coordinator hires, and a couple of other staff members, uh, rumors about Mississippi State and Joe Moorhead. Ryan Brown will join us on the Farm Bureau phone line. You can check out favorites.com and go with the home team for some college football talk. A strange posting from Dylan Moses on his Instagram account, which was a press release from his father, um, really weird wording. Dylan Moses has said he's coming back. It sounds like his dad has said, not so fast. We'll talk more about it and we'll let you know. Um, Tua Tonga-Vailoa is going to announce whether or not he is coming back to play quarterback at Alabama on the 6th. So that's coming up on Monday. We'll have some reaction to recent bowl games. You had Alabama winning over Michigan yesterday. Uh, Jim Harbaugh was uh, typical Jim Harbaugh in some of his post-game remarks. Is Gus on the hot seat again? Did you guys see the crowd last night at the Sugar Bowl? Or maybe I should say lack thereof? I was blown away. And because I shouldn't have been because tickets online, I mean, as of last week, were for 5 bucks, and you could still right. get in yesterday for 19 But, I mean, the stadium seats, what, hey, that's 74000 Something like that, yeah. There was probably... 35 to 40? Yeah. I mean, for a lot of Georgia fans, they had just made that trip a year ago. The Baylor fans are the ones I'm, I'm surprised didn't yeah. show up. I mean, this is the you are two years removed from 1 and 11, and you get a trip to New Orleans, and that's what you bring? Yeah, it was, it was weird to see. And, you know, maybe because the Sugar Bowl holds such special meaning where we are. And we're only, it feels like more than that, but it's only, you're only four years removed from Ole Miss playing in that game. And there being probably close to as many Ole Miss fans in the stadium as there were total fans in the stadium last night on the 1st of January, 2016. And hey, Dad, we talked about it last week with you about, okay, what's the bowl game outside of an access bowl? Or really, outside of a college football playoff, that would draw Mississippi State fans in massive numbers, and we agreed that it would be the Sugar Bowl. Mississippi State right. has never been to that game, and would like to go. But we also look at the historical significance of it, and the reality is the Sugar Bowl is different than it used to be. Yeah, in in years when the Sugar Bowl is not a college football playoff semifinal, it is the game that takes what probably the third SEC team? I guess second if you only second. get one team in the playoffs. Yeah. But it's still, I mean, the, the Sugar Bowl is still a big deal. 
But maybe your point's a good one. Georgia made that trip last year. Nah, do it all over again. Some disappointment, frustration. I mean, if you're a Georgia fan, you probably went to Louisiana twice last year because you probably went to the LSU game. They took a ton of fans to that game. So True. you go to the Baton Rouge, and then a couple months later in New Orleans, you know, you just decided this year, ah, you know, been there, done that. Think about it this way, though. Georgia took more fans to the season opener against Vanderbilt in Nashville <laughs> than they took to the Sugar Bowl in New Orleans. I mean, I know Nashville's a great city and you got the excitement of a new season. But still, Vanderbilt Stadium versus the Sugar Bowl? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's a little it's a little surprising, but at the same time, you know, like I said, it's how much were tickets to go to Vanderbilt? You know, it's a probably not that far a drive for a lot of uh, Georgia fans. So, you know, you drive up there, you spend 10 bucks to get in the door. How much is it to go to the Sugar Bowl and stay in New Orleans on oh, New, New oh, Year's no, Eve? No, 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 no. Sugar Bowl what? tickets were exponentially less expensive than tickets than Vanderbilt, to that Vanderbilt tickets? game to start the year. Really? Those were going for a couple oh. hundred bucks a piece. Huh. Well, even then, well, that's, that's, okay, tickets aside. Yeah. A hotel room, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day in New Orleans. That's going to be a pricey thing. So, I mean, I, there's, there's, you're definitely going to spend more money headed to New Orleans for that particular set of days. Probably you know, so. Just, if you're just disappointed and just, just didn't want to go. Maybe so. All right, so Ole Miss adds three to its coaching staff today. Lane Kiffin putting together his first staff. DJ Durkin from, well, most recently the Atlanta Falcons as an analyst, but prior to that, head coach at Maryland. And um, complicated circumstances, to say the least, in which he left that job. Chris Patridge from the defensive staff at Michigan. And Joe John Finley, what a name, from Texas A&M staff. Both Durkin and Patridge, according to the release from Ole Miss, are former National Recruiters of the Year, in addition to helping lead highly ranked defenses, while Finley tutored a John Mackey Award finalist during his stops as tight ends coach at Missouri and Texas A&M. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Texas A&M had a freshman tight end this year who was replacing the highly decorated Jay Sternberger from a year ago, and he put up monster numbers. Is that accurate? That is right. That is correct, yeah. Yeah, it makes you wonder. (laughs) I can't help it. I can't help it. Makes you wonder what it would have been like two years ago if he had been coaching a future NFL tight end at Ole Miss. Probably the numbers would have looked more like Jay Sternberger's than what um, Dawson Knox actually put up. But that's burying the lead on this. Obviously, all of the attention is surrounding DJ Jerkin, uh, sorry, DJ Durkin, who spent this season as a consultant for the Atlanta Falcons and, again, most recently was the head coach at the University of Maryland. Head coach in 2016 and 2017, they had the issue where you had the death of Jordan McNair in an off-season conditioning program where ultimately Rick Court, the strength coach, was handed the lion's share of the liability for that particular incident. You remember when McNair was taken to the hospital, his core body temperature was 106 degrees. He later passed away. It was an incredibly tragic story. 
Uh, from time to time, you hear about stories in the offseason, whether it's in high school football, college football, or even in the NFL, in which you have heat-related deaths, and it never becomes any less tragic. Um, DJ Durkin was put on administrative leave while multiple independent investigations were handled. Ultimately, those independent investigations found DJ Durkin not guilty of any wrongdoing, and he was reinstated as the head coach. And then the backlash from Maryland people, the national media, etc., was loud and voluminous and came in torrents, and Maryland once again changed course, and they fired D.J. Durkin. They did not, however, fire him with cause because the reports that they had commissioned said that he had not done anything wrong. Now, in those reports, you did have um, lots and lots of quotes about a culture of intimidation. Um, Borky, there there may be a better word than that. It was a very hard-nosed culture. And that was in part with Rick Court, the strength coach, and Certainly, it falls on the plate of DJ Durkin because he was the head coach at the time. And so all of this is a little complicated. And there have been some national people who have reacted in exactly the way you would expect them to react. There have also been national media people who have taken a different approach to this of, well, you knew he was going to eventually get another opportunity. I think it's important to remember that this is as an assistant coach and not as a head coach. And to me, that makes a difference. Is that fair? It would be very different if it was a head coach. I mean, you're still going to get the backlash, and they they got their fair share of it today. But it is um, more acceptable when it's not the person you're choosing to lead the program. I want more of your reaction. I want your reaction on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. How do you feel about DJ Durkin being named to the defensive staff at Ole Miss? Borky, I want to hear from you. Hey, Dad, I'm curious your reaction as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. More coming up with you after this on this Thursday. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Glad to have you along on the 2nd of January, this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Rippy will rejoin us tomorrow. Thanks for being with us. Uh, you can text the show, C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. A number of people uh, reacting on the C Spire text line to the hire of DJ Durkin by Ole Miss earlier today, or at least making it official earlier today. Um, also, Charlie Patridge and uh, Joe John Finley hired. Patridge was at Michigan. Joe John Finley was at Texas A&M and Durkin most recently with the Texans before that as the head coach at Maryland. So, Borky, I said I wanted to get your reaction. I wanted to get Haydad's as well. What are your thoughts? Um, as with most things, the reality lies somewhere in the middle. You had, as you always do, two opposite extremes. The one side uh, where, for example, the Mississippi State uh, SB Nation site said that he was uh, guilty of manslaughter, and that is absolutely not what happened 
at Maryland, but also the other side where, oh, this isn't a bad look at all. People are just uh, upset about something because it's Ole Miss. And the truth kind of lies somewhere in the middle. Um, as you mentioned, he was found to be not directly responsible for that player's death that ultimately got him fired at Maryland. He got fired because of public backlash and not because of direct responsibility to the action. But it isn't a good look because I do think my first thought when this was made official is you probably could have found a really good defensive mind without the scandal. And is this worth making this kind of hire? But then you see, for example, the quotes from the, the former or the Jordan McNair's parents. I mean, his dad said, I wish the best for Durkin and his family. We wish him the best and his family, and I hope he'll take what happened at Maryland as a life lesson dealing with other people's kids. His mom said, hopefully he'll do better. I hope the experience with Jordan taught him a lesson. What's happened has happened, and that's it. So how can I sit here and, and be so outraged about him getting another, uh, getting another shot uh, as an assistant somewhere when the people who were most directly affected by that uh, are moving forward and hoping that he makes the best from his opportunity. I, I can't be that person that sits here and says they should never allow this to happen when the kid's parents are not maybe in support of it but are wishing him well yeah. moving forward. So it, it's not a good look and people are ripping it today and I understand why, because a player died on his watch, but he is not the head coach, and the player's parents are not fiending with outrage. So if they're not, how could I? Hey, Dad, you come at this from a little bit different place than obviously I do or Michael does. What's your reaction? I mean, just on the surface, it just seems like it's a headache or misgives itself that they don't have to. Uh there are plenty of good coaches out there that don't have this black mark on their resume and that you could have hired and everybody would be saying, look at this great staff that uh, Lane Kiffin is putting together. Instead, it's turned to, why would you do this? Um, and, you know, For Ole Miss, which had a pretty good public relations uh, thing going since the, uh, the Egg Bowl, it just feels like it's, it's, it's just not smart. And just for me personally, I understand the reports exonerated him or, you know, said that he wasn't ultimately responsible, however you want to put it. It really doesn't matter to me. You're the head coach. You're responsible. Uh, I, I would not let him be a coach. That's just me. You know, there are plenty of other jobs he can get. Uh, you know, if you're an electrician and you burn a house down, you're probably not going to be an electrician anymore. If you're a uh, bus driver and you wreck the bus uh, and people uh, okay, die. Okay, but let me, let, let me, let me ask you about that though. Okay. If you own an electrical company, like you, you you own a business, and your name is on the door, and one of the people that works for you does faulty wiring, does a shoddy job, mm-hmm. and causes the house to burn down, does that mean that you should never be an electrician again? Well, you're going to get sued to the point where you're probably not going to be an electrician again. I would imagine so, but I mean, at the end of the day, the, there's a difference for me for head coach who puts everything into place versus guy who owns the business who just said, who hires the competent people and says, you know, he's not there, you know, every day making sure, hey, is this wire there? Okay, is this wire there? There's going to be yeah. there, there's a difference there. It's not it's not a not not trying to rip on you, Richard. It's just, it's just not a great analogy for me. Fair enough. 
It was your analogy, not mine. <laughs> well, then I'm just an idiot, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I just was asking a question about your analogy. Yeah, I, I but, just, just, just for me personally, I think that, you know, and, and honestly, as far as coaching goes, if he's in the NFL, maybe it's because he was in the NFL this past year, right? He was doing something with the Falcons. Yeah, he was I a consultant with the Falcons. Right. That's one thing. But as far as being in charge of 18 to 22 year olds again, it, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. Bud in Jackson says Durkin got a bad rap at Maryland. The university president had it out for him. The president was getting the booger off of his finger. Okay. Um, here's one from 770 area code. OJ Simpson getting hired next. Um, I wasn't ecstatic, ecstatic when I first heard about the Durkin hire. Do you all think he's an upgrade over McIntyre? Yeah, I don't know that he's. Is an that what he's being brought in by the way for? Is that is he coming in as defensive? Is he coming in as defensive coordinator? That has not yet been determined. Okay, Ole Miss has not released that information at this point. So, um, I don't know if he's an upgrade for Mike McIntyre or not. I think Mike McIntyre did a really good job this year, but when you hire a new head coach, he gets to put his staff together. Uh, from John and McComb, good job, Keith Carter. And Lane Kiffin on Durkin. Can't worry about what the Dan Wolkins and the hate Ole Miss sports media think. Two investigations cleared him. Welcome to Ole Miss, Coach Durkin. Um, this one that says, Borky nailed it. Jason says, I'm a state guy, and I, quote, avoid our, close quote, SB Nation people like the plague. <laughs> okay. Um, bad look, yes, but he shouldn't coach again. Come on. Um, Borky flirting with disaster music choice. I loaded the music today before I planned the show. That was just kind of, this just kind of happened that way. Um, so was that in reference to Durkin or retaining Joe Moorhead or a little of both? Uh, just blind luck, maybe. Uh, here we go. This is Joe M. in Starkville. Wow. A fight at practice causes Richard to ridicule Moorhead for two days. But hiring a murderer is sugar-coated by Richard Cross's Rebel Yell Network. You know what? Maybe you should go find a tall building and jump. Oh. That's awful harsh. Well, you know, I get sick of crap like that. Because at no point in the 45 minutes that we've been on the air today have I said anything related to that. And calling a guy who was cleared in multiple independent university investigations, a murderer makes you kind of a sorry human being, Joe. So, you don't have to listen. There are many choices on your radio dial and in podcast land and in dot-com world. Feel free to find one of them. Tim and McGee. He got fired because he is the head coach, but by the way, I don't literally mean find a tall building and jump. Tim and McGee, he got fired because he is the head coach, but when do you allow a guy to start over? I think he deserves a shot. How many of us have had second chances? Yeah, but there's second chances, and there's stuff you can do that you don't get second chances from. And this is, in my opinion, this is one of them. Is it fair to say this better work? Yeah. Well, by better work, you mean what? What do you mean? 
Like I mean, the defense better, better be great, or no, he, he can't have any kind of yeah. There can be incidents. no negative sure. anything. Yeah, it's got to be clean. And again, this it's is, not. Go ahead. The, the 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 comparison's been made a lot on Twitter between state fans and Ole Miss fans, who are obviously having one of those days. Uh, is Jeff Simmons, and that's what happened with Simmons, right? Terrible decision makes a uh, makes a horrible mistake, and basically was given the policy of if you get a traffic ticket, you're going to be in trouble. And what did he do? He gave you three years and never an ounce of trouble. So it worked out for him. Durkin is sort of the same thing. If we come back in a couple of months and there's a player complaining about him, this is going to look really, really bad on Ole Miss. But if he can get through it, well, then yeah. this is what it is. Let me apologize. I should not have said that a second ago. Should should not have said what I said. Um. <clears throat> Jeff says I don't think Ole Miss should have hired this guy. I just don't think so. Uh, Cross, you're coming out strong for the new year. I don't blame you for saying that to Joe. That's from Stan and Ripley, etc. Obviously, it's a polarizing discussion. Here's what I would say ultimately. You know the one guy who has to live with for the rest of his life the fact that he was in charge of the Maryland program when Jordan McNair passed away? It's DJ Durkin. And my guess is that probably haunts him. But I also would guess that it's something that he has learned from and you would think has probably changed as a result of like they're uh, actually going to try and play football again in Birmingham. Lightning delay just about over and about to resume playing a scoreless game with 7.55 to go in the first quarter of Boston College and Cincinnati. And there are tens of people in the stands that can't wait to see this game resume. I don't know if there are less than a, fewer than 1,000 people there or not, but... It is sparse, and I guess with good reason. You wouldn't expect Boston College to travel travel big. You wouldn't expect, really, Cincinnati to travel big, and the weather is just awful. So, Ole Miss has to have provided that bowl game its only huge crowd ever. Yeah, probably so. And, I mean, it was just the perfect... Storm, right? It was on a Saturday. Yeah. yeah. Was the, the weather, weather good was, that day? I have no idea. So. It was okay. I mean, it was gray and overcast, but it not was not raining or anything. No, it wasn't like raining sideways or anything like right. that. Uh, and there were about 50,000 people there for that game. Yeah. And it was, you know, Ole Miss program with a first year head coach. It was trying to build some momentum and close out the regular season in a, uh, I guess, pretty strong fashion to, to get to that point. And people were really excited. And it was an easy trip, too. I mean, you know, what, f- four hours or less for probably 75% of your... 75% of your fan base? Yeah, yeah. Easy so. drive. Easy to get there, and uh, yes, those uh, there are not that many people in Birmingham today. 
A lot of text on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Paul in Cleveland says they ran out of beer before halftime that day. Of course they did. They could just start pricing them like the Rose Bowl, and at $17 a pop, you'll never run out. Yeah. Say that again. There were $17 beers at the Rose Bowl yesterday. $17? Yeah, mm-hmm. that's, for the that's uh, a, local that's, That was the imports. If you wanted a Coors Light, it was only 15 Yeah. It's a bargain. It's a steal, really. They're giving it away. Hmm. Jeez. Yeah. You um you want to be a part of the conversation, you can do so. David and Tupelo says, Richard, I've been a Super Talk listener for years. You just lost your cool. I believe I will go along with Joe and find something else to do between three and six on the weekdays. Other than that, I'll continue to be a loyal Super Talk listener. Well, David, I hate to lose you. I mean that sincerely. I- I'm not being flippant when I say that. And I admitted a second ago that I should not have said what I said and apologize for that. I uh, I did not like the antig- uh, antagonistic tone. You know, here's the thing. I thought what Joe texted was inappropriate, and then he took a great big shot at me in the radio show as well and tried to paint it as something that it's not. And the layers of that bothered me, and I said something I shouldn't have said, and I've apologized for it. And I hope... You don't bail forever, but if you do, that is your choice. Joe, by the way, did not. He immediately texted again, so he's sticking with us, at least for the immediate future. Um, I don't know. We can move on to something else. Are we missing anything here? Like I said, the thing I just keep coming back to for me is there are dozens of coaches Ole Miss could have hired today that would have gotten them positive publicity. So, I guess my and question is... And the other you, two that they hired did, they're just getting overshadowed. Yeah. The question I would have for you guys is this, I guess. What can Durkin do to make people like... I guess not like me, but to make people think, okay, this was actually a good... I mean, what, be, Ole Miss's defense better be really darn good next year. The answer is simple. is is Be completely out of the news. Never make news again. And coach a good defense. Except for, yeah, except for Ole Miss has a top 40 defense next year. Then you're in the right kind of news, I guess. Yeah, and, and th- there's another thing at play here, and I don't know that I've heard this said officially, but I think it was the case at FAU under Lane Kiffin, and certainly it's how Nick Saban handles things. Assistant coaches don't talk to the media. Period. Right. It's, you know, one coach, one voice. That's, as I understand it, the way Lane Kiffin has handled things in the past, and I assume that's, the Saban way. that's how he's going to handle them going forward as well. That's exactly what it is. You get, you get At Alabama, I think you get assistant coaches once a year at, on media day, and that's it. Yeah, is it is it one time before the season begins, yeah, and then if they're playing in a postseason game that yeah. mandates everybody is available, yes. then you get them that's once it. then as well. Aside from that, you'll hear from the head coach. Um, and look, I mean, let's not pretend like Lane Kiffin hasn't had all of these conversations and Keith Carter hasn't had these conversations and the chancellor hasn't been involved in these conversations. I mean, Ole Miss obviously decided that they felt comfortable with going forward 
with DJ Durkin. So we'll see how it plays out. More coming up with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, on this Thursday. Wait, can this be true? Can this be an actual true thing? Dan Snyder, the owner of the Washington Redskins, in introducing Ron Rivera as the new head coach, on the 2nd of January, began their press conference today by saying, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. That did happen. It happened. What was he trying to accomplish? For some reason, I think that there was some kind of inside joke because Rivera, I mean, laughed at it pretty hard standing behind him. Okay. And everybody else in the room was confused, and he was the only one that laughed, so maybe it was like, hey, I dare you to say, I don't know. I'm just trying to draw lines that probably aren't there, but Rivera thought it was funny. (laughs) Maybe he's just going to laugh at anything his new boss that's going to pay him several million dollars a year said. He can make a lot of jokes funny that are not otherwise funny. (laughs) You got that right, Richard. (laughs) Wait, did did you get a raise that I'm not aware of? (laughs) Uh, You're on a roll today, R.C. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm. We are glad to have you along on this Thursday afternoon. Borky, you have decided that we need daily poll questions. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm going to start throwing some out there, on topic, off topic, whatever comes to mind. Yeah. uh, We've tried this in the past, haven't we? Just not with consistency? Not with consistency, and that's directly you know, my fault, but uh, I think we should do it. Is this your New Year's resolution? Yeah, I've got a few more ideas too, but again, like I told you the other day, I'll put it in an action plan email and we can meet about it. Good. Maybe then we can have a meeting about the meeting. Hey, I'm excited. About, by the way, you owe me a steak, buddy. And... For what? Uh, Texas smoking Utah. Oh, that's right, yeah. Did we do that on the air? Yes, we did that on the air. It's yeah. archived on the website and on the podcast. It Was, was I still under the influence of uh, <laughs> post-procedure medication? Oh, no, nah, I was on that show, so yeah, you, you were good. Yeah, I, I remember the quote being, Well, you're now 0 and 2 on the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. So, so, just for the record, just for the record, Richard now owes Borky a steak, but Richard also owes me a steak, and Borky owes me a steak. It's the uh, little triangle here. So, we should go get a steak sometime, is what I'm going to say, guys. <laughs> You get a steak, you get a steak, you get a steak, you get a steak. Haven't we already done this where I went and had to pay out steaks to everybody? i got to stop no, making that was for steak me. bets. That was for me because I, I won the Masters thing. Oh, that's right. And I just covered for Rippy? Yeah, you just covered for Rippy. And me because the famous thing no, you weren't there, there. Yeah. So technically, Borky still owes me two steaks. But if eh, we'll, 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 no, say, you, you we'll say that that counts. on your first one. All right, fine. But I, that's, we, he still we owes were me just supposed steak. to... I think we were just supposed to split the bill three ways, and uh, I. You just picked up the tab. Everybody got taken care of. All right, so steaks coming up. It's uh, sounds like a uh, a Tico's night in the uh, in the near future. Woo-hoo. Yeah, and we can go over my action plan. <laughs> Do I get two steaks because Borky owes one and, and you owe one? I'm gonna order two. Yes, steaks. you can have two small fillets. Ah, no, two full size. Even the ribbons. small ones there aren't really small. We'll see, we'll see how it goes. Porky, what is the poll question? 
The poll question, the first one of the day, and I'll keep throwing them out, I'm going to ease into this a little bit, was quite simply, will Joe Moorhead be the coach at Mississippi State for the 2020 season? Ooh. 55% say yes, and all of the replies are some form of, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> hey, Dad, how would you vote in that poll? I voted yes. I voted in that poll. Okay. Very good. So, if that does happen, let's play hypothetical game here a little bit. I have a feeling that Mississippi State will, we can call it getting made fun of or whatever. National college football media people will speak negatively about the move to announce an extension and then a couple weeks later fire the guy, especially when they're going to use the historical example of, you know, eight and four and six and six beating Ole Miss twice at Mississippi State is good. You're crazy for firing him. But at the same time, I mean, we've been talking for a couple of weeks now. It just doesn't seem like it fits. There's, there's seemingly something wrong. Uh, hold on a second. Can I, can I interrupt you just for a second? Sure. Are, have we reached the point where we should all just collectively say, and, and there are probably a couple of caveats here, maybe unless Kirk Herbstreet really comes after you on college game day, the air quotes national college football media, we really just probably shouldn't care what they say or what they think. That's a really good point. Because right now, Mississippi State should have been better. And they absolutely can be better than they are right now, without a doubt. It is a team that has played undisciplined football, unprepared football. We talked about it ad nauseum. If they make a move, even right now with the timing being bad, it just isn't working right now. And it's it's finally nice to see both programs, if this indeed happens, acting like they want to win. Instead of just talking about it, it being lip service, beating Ole Miss, if this happens, wasn't enough for Mississippi State and the fans. I mean, our text line the last couple of days has been filled with people that are mad about the state of the program. They just went to a bowl game and beat Ole Miss. But that doesn't matter anymore, and that's awesome because even though a lot of people, and I to some degree agree with this, think that Ole Miss and Mississippi State are not winning 10 games a year type programs simultaneously, but they both can absolutely be better than 4-8 and eight and 6-6 six and six at the same time. And it's nice to see the Egg Bowl not mattering to Mississippi State fans and Ole Miss not accepting mediocrity from one of their own. I mean, they both can win. College football's different now, and these national people whose opinion we shouldn't take into account anymore will disagree with that. Todd Blackledge on the Sugar Bowl broadcast last night said Matt Luke got a raw deal. He went 6-6, six 5-7, and 4-8. And 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 he took over a program while on probation filled with NFL talent and couldn't capitalize. He didn't get a raw deal. He didn't win. It's the SEC. Ole Miss expects better, so he got fired. Even if Mississippi State retains Joe Moorhead and he goes to a bowl game next year at 6-6, six and six, he's not sticking around. They're finally acting like big-time programs around here. And it's it's really nice to see because you can win here. To say you can't is BS, and that gets spewed from those national people that we talk about. You absolutely can win in this state. We've seen it before. Um, couple of thoughts, Borky. Number one... I think there's one word missing from your don't care about 
winning the Egg Bowl and just going to a bowl game. I think it's don't care exclusively sure. about yeah, those right. things. You care about winning the Egg just Bowl. just those things. Right. Hey, Dad, I, I'm assuming you would agree with that because you've been yes. abundantly clear that winning that game and getting to a bowl game is not only a big deal, but it's really important at Mississippi State. It has to be the starting point, right? It's, but it's, just it's, doing it, that's not enough anymore. Just doing that's not enough, but that's your starting point. All right? That is the bare minimum floor. Beating Ole Miss and going to a bowl game. That should be that should be the bare minimum floor. And not, not to say that you're going to beat Ole Miss every year. You're not. But that's got to be the minimum expectation. Okay. The other thing that I would say about the whole national football media thing the the reaction to whatever somebody national writes and 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 it's painting with an awfully broad brush when you say who cares what the national media says cuz you got some really good really good really talented college football writers that are out there but you've also got guys that you don't like them because they've taken a shot at your program whether you're an Ole Miss fan or a Mississippi State fan or an Alabama fan or an Auburn fan or an LSU fan, etc. The, the, the couple of things that stand out to me is, one, it is hard to be intimately familiar with local when everything you do is at a high level. And so really you're just getting kind of opinion pieces from reporters. And the line between reporter and columnist has never been more blurred than it is right now. That's number one. Number two, those same national media people that drive you crazy and make you want to take shots at them on Twitter for saying bad things about your program, when they occasionally come back and they write something positive about your program, you can't wait to read it and see what the national media guy said. So you can't have it both ways. So if you want to read positive that they write about your program, be like, okay, cool. And if they write something that's negative or demeaning, you just look at it and be like, okay, cool. Because what you write doesn't really matter one way or the other. Because in a lot of ways, the national college football media, the national political media, the national NBA media, you know, pick your genre, it's just a big echo chamber that has increasingly become this thing to just pat each other on the back and see who can be the cutest and who can be the wittiest and who can have the funniest jab and who can take the quickest shot. It's kind of a lot of what they do. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming online at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross and Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. The C Spire text line is open to you, 601-879-4395. So this time of year, what happens, right? You, you eventually get sick. Like, you come down with what you're wondering, is it the flu or is it... Just a sinus infection or this cold that you can't get to go away. And what's the thing, Borky, that you don't want to do? That you avoid like the plague this time of year? Paying taxes? If if you can at all avoid it, you stay away from going to the doctor's office. Yep. 
for a couple of reasons. One, it usually takes a long time. And two, you don't really want to spend the money associated with the doctor's visit. And three, there's a chance you're going to leave sicker than when you went because you're exposed to all those other germs. What if I told you you don't have to go to the doctor's office? Assuming that you are not deathly ill or that you don't have an extremely significant health condition, then you don't have to go to the doctor's office anymore. This winter, skip the waiting room, beat cold and flu season faster with C Spire Health. All you got to do is download the app and schedule a visit to connect with a trusted University of Mississippi Medical Center clinician from your phone. They can treat tons of non-emergency conditions and symptoms like fevers, aches and pains, coughing, sneezing, uh, sinus infections, all over video chat with no insurance required. And they can even send the prescription that you need to your local pharmacy. And for a limited time, instead of paying $59 for one of these online consultations, if you're a C Spire customer, you can do it for just 29 bucks. So for $29, and this is for a limited time, by the way, from your home, from your office, in your car, though we wouldn't advise it because that's not terribly safe, maybe if you're pulled off on the side of the road or sitting in a parking lot, you can dial up the C Spire Health app, schedule an appointment with an online person, talk to them about your symptoms, have a video chat with them, get the prescription you need sent to your local pharmacy, go through the drive through you never have to step in a doctor's office, you never have to be exposed to any more germs, and it only costs you 29 bucks. That's for a limited time. It will eventually go back to 59 but we want you to try this for far less money, in some cases, than you would even pay in a copay. So you might say, look, I've already got insurance, so there's not really any reason... For me to try this? Well, what if your copay is $50? Try it out. Save 20 bucks on your copay and never have to go to the doctor's apartment. You can learn more online at cspirehealth.com. Cspire, customer inspired. So, hey, now we've talked around it a little bit. What do you feel like is actually happening right now? In Starkville, with regard to football and Joe Moorhead, I feel that there is a I'm trying to figure out the right word to use here, but there is a process ongoing to determine if indeed Joe Moorhead will remain as the head coach at Mississippi State. Would it be fair to call it an evaluation? And, and there's yes. a reason I use that word. Because my assumption is there was some sort of an evaluation or some sort of a process that happened around the Egg Bowl, right? I think I think what you're seeing is maybe a, a, a they're looking what whatever happened at the end of the Egg Bowl might be happening again with new information. Not that he's got a whole lot of choice, but I wonder how frustrated Joe Moorhead is to be going I mean, through. Yeah, it's maybe be. a similar process in. A six-week window. It's just, the, this is the thing from Moorhead is that he's just never been able to stack two positive things together, like in his entire time. He, basically, since he lost to Kentucky in 2018, it's never he's never had a couple of good days in a row. 
you know, you go back to last year and you 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 know you finish the season relatively strong and you beat Ole Miss and you win the Egg Bowl and you were eight and four and then you lose the bowl game and then you have the you know the 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 recruiting class last year where you didn't get everybody signed and so you had a lot of question marks there. But then you end up signing most of those guys, and you have a decent recruiting class. And then you bring in Tommy Stevens, and there's a lot of excitement around that. And then he goes to media days, and he, we, we, he has those unusual comments about you know the way he set up the expectations when he arrived and how he maybe should not have done that. And then you don't get off to a really fast start in the football season. You lose in week three. And you know there's no real bounce back win or anything for you. There's no signature win for him. And and then, you know, but you win the egg bowl again. And so you've got that. And then you have a recruiting class that comes together really well. And, you know, you, you feel like, okay, maybe there's maybe there's some positive momentum happening here. And then you have the Willie Gay Garrett Schrader thing happening. You lose the ball. It, it's it's just never a, he can't seem to just get off the ground. You know, the, the plane is just constantly on the runway. Hmm. Is there a danger and, and and it's hard to keep anything a secret, right? I mean, right. If John Cohen wants more to than go one person knows, it's not a secret. Yeah, if if John Cohen wanted to go through this process and do it internally, that would be one thing. But when it gets out in in the public, obviously there was a ton of rumor and speculation leading into the Egg Bowl. Both you and I heard independently. The outcome of this game doesn't matter. Mississippi State is moving on. Now, there may have been some skepticism that went along with that, but I think you and I both heard that from what we thought to be fairly credible people. I don't want to put words in your mouth. I I felt that to be the case. I felt like there was a lot of smoke, but I I, I felt like I was pretty adamant on the podcast in here that I didn't think he was going to be fired, and I definitely didn't think he would be fired with a win. Okay. But I, but not not to say that I didn't hear it, and, and it was out there. Oh yeah, it was definitely out there. And there he was were asked a lot about of it. People. He was asked about it in his press conference after the game. Yeah, absolutely. And hey, Dad, there were a lot of people that wanted that to be the outcome, and then that turned out not to be the case. Mississippi yeah. State says no, we're going to go forward. So so here's where I'm getting with all this. If for a second time some sort of an internal evaluation is happening or process, as you said a second ago, mm-hmm. and for a second time in six weeks, it is determined that Joe Moorhead needs to be the guy going forward, at least for the immediate future, how damning is that for Joe Moorhead that twice the fan base, in a lot of circles, not exclusively, but in a lot of circles, got its hopes up that maybe a change was coming, mm-hmm. and then no change happened. Moorhead is just, I, I, I think I've mentioned it on this show. I know I've mentioned it elsewhere, but I really do feel like, and I'm not saying that MSU was doing this on purpose, but he is really set up to fail because never mind these, never mind these, these now two separate incidents of looking like it, it, there might be a change made. When you look ahead to next season, if your first question is, okay, how is State going to be better offensively? Well, look at that roster, and you tell me how they're going to be better offensively. I don't see it. So, I mean, it, it almost feels like we're just sort of playing out the string here a little bit, that this is it's going to end after the Egg Bowl, if not sooner. And if that's the case, if you look at this the situation from that level, and, and you have to ask yourself, why, why prolong it? 
Why why continue down this road? It would make more if you believe what I if you believe they're not going to be better offensively next year and they're not going to be able to win as as many games. Then why would why would you continue like this? So yeah, for Morehead, it, it's got to be incredibly frustrating for him. Not and it's warranted though. I mean, he hasn't delivered on anything that he that he talked about. You know, Mississippi State has been terrible offensively under his watch. The program went from nine wins the year he was before he was here to six wins and a losing season. And it, so he's he's dug his own you know grave on that. But at the same time, yeah, for him, I mean, he must really want the job because. He's not walking away from it. I mean, who's not going to walk away from three million dollars a year? But it's just not—it's just not a good situation at Mississippi State with this right now. Because, gosh, the fans, by and large, you, you find me a, a Joe Moorhead supporter, and I'll find you—I'll I'll pretty much prove him to be an internet troll within about fifteen minutes. There's not a lot of support for him that that you can find available on the internet. Do you believe that Joe was told to make significant staff changes, and he's pushed back on it? I don't know if significant would be the right word, but I'm sure he was told to make some staff changes. But that's the thing. You shouldn't have to be told that. You should just be smart enough to know that you need to make staff changes because what you're doing isn't working. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday afternoon. We've got more coming up. Ceasefire text line's open, 601-879-4395. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. Weekend just around the corner. Start of Southeastern Conference basketball play coming up for most everybody. In the last couple of years, it was Mississippi State who was not participating in the SEC Big 12 Challenge. They are in that event this year. And so they will open conference play on Saturday. Ole Miss is not participating in the SEC Big 12 Challenge this year. So they will not start conference play on Saturday. They get the less-than-enviable task uh, of going to Wichita, Kansas. That's right. And playing Wichita State, who is currently at number 10 in the net on Saturday in a non-conference game. Now, pretty big opportunity, but also a huge challenge. Uh, that place will be insane. It is a great home field, home court advantage. It's, uh, I believe it's Charles Koch Arena. And they did a massive renovation to it, um, oh, I don't know, a decade or so ago. You remember when, hey, Dad, like, Way before there was even discussion about Ole Miss building a new arena, there was some talk about renovations to the Tad Pad. Vaguely, yeah, yeah. Well, people would point to Wichita State's arena because it was kind of a similar type looking building that they had done a complete renovation to. And the idea of renovating Tad Smith Coliseum now as opposed to building the pavilion seems like the worst concocted idea in the history of the world, and thankfully that didn't turn out to be the case. Mm-hmm. But Wichita State seats about 10-5. Their fans travel, and, I mean, there's an argument to be made that that's a more difficult game than about three-quarters of the games that are going to be part of the SEC Big 12 Challenge. Whew. Who, do, who does State get as part of the uh, the SEC Big 12 deal? 
They will travel to Norman to take on Oklahoma. A team that Wichita State has already beaten this year. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's uh, January 26th. Does that sound right? 25th, 26th, somewhere in there? It's along those lines. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Um, What do you think about Auburn rolling into town on Saturday? It's sort of flying under the radar, isn't it? You know, I mean, maybe it's just because State had those a couple of bad uh, early losses here, but this feels like this is a, a huge, you know, a huge game for Mississippi State potentially. You know, Auburn came to State last year and lost, uh, and then when they beat State at Auburn later in the season, they didn't lose again until the Final Four. Yeah. So it's it's been a, a, an interesting series, and Auburn hasn't had a whole ton of success here in Starkville. I don't know if Bruce Pearl is listening. Starkville is how you pronounce the name of the city. Does he go with Starksville? Um, he went with Starksville. Yeah, not 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 great. Um, Auburn's team, you know, we the little bit I've seen them play, they shoot a lot of threes, and State has not been good on the perimeter defensively this year. So. They do, but they're not making as many threes this year. Well, if if they start hitting them, it's going to be a problem for State. But that said, State if, is coming off if of Auburn starts good win. hitting a bunch of threes, it's going to be a problem for everybody because they're yeah. good otherwise. <laughs> I'm interested to see, you know, Reggie Perry matched up with that Auburn front court. You know, he had come off that career game, 26 points and 17 boards against Kent State. State's net went up 12 spots as a result of that win. So maybe what we were talking about a little bit last week about, you know, how, how quickly can they get back up? Maybe, maybe that's a little overblown. And obviously a win over Auburn might drop them up or jump them up, you know, 15 sub spots or so. So big yeah. win, big game for Mississippi State. We'll see if they can get the win. And and the Kent State game completely flew under the radar because it was the night of the bowl game. Yeah, I mean, I didn't even watch the game. I I didn't see one minute of it because by the time I got finished recording the uh, Thunder and Lightning, the game was over. Yeah, that was a good win. Just yeah, just a that was a good win. Top one hundred win right now. So I mean, we'll yeah. see how how they do the rest of the season. Highest ranked SEC team in terms of net is Auburn at eight. Arkansas at eleven and one is twenty four. LSU coming off a win against Liberty on Sunday is eight and four. They're ranked thirty sixth in the net. Kentucky made a huge jump last week after their win over Louisville to number forty. They went from in the seventies to forty. Ole Miss sitting at number fifty. Missouri at fifty two. Florida at fifty five. Alabama at sixty. Georgia sixty six. Tennessee 67, Mississippi State 80. So you've got 11 of the 14 SEC teams in the top 80. And for all the conversation about you know the SEC down and not playing as well, th- there's some truth to some of that. But there're really only three potential anchors around your neck in conference play. Vanderbilt at 124, which is not awful. Same thing for South Carolina at 129. Texas A&M is the one that that could kill you because they're at 191. Yeah. Um, six and five overall for Texas A&M. Everybody in the SEC going into league play has a winning overall record, a record over 500. Auburn, the only undefeated team in the SEC and one of two undefeated teams in the country. The other is San Diego State, who is. 13 and 0, I think. Eh, let's see here. Sorry, I had it, the list sorted by conference. Yeah, San Diego State at 13 and 0. Butler still at number four in the net at 13 and 1. 
So that's kind of what's going on nationally. It's time for the Pearl River Resort Pick of the Day, brought to you by the Sportsbook at Timeout Lounge. Borky, I'm debating whether or not to uh, let you do this again, or should I take it back over? Uh, you can take it back over and just embarrass yourself like you did the other day. That's fine. Yeah, that's probably not a bad idea. Hook them, baby. Did uh, you see, though, after that game, people were seriously, not joking, talking about, well, Texas, you know, momentum this offseason, big bowl win. Like, <laughs> like you didn't learn anything last year? Notre Dame and Texas, this top before. five teams next year. Oh, and you know that's coming, too. I do. Notre Dame had the quietest 11-win season in football history. Yeah. Tennessee minus three and a half tonight in the Tax Slayer Gator Bowl kickoff at six o'clock Central on ESPN. Seven and five Tennessee, eight and four Indiana. Let's lay the three and a half and take the Tennessee Vols for the Pearl River Resort pick of the day. No faith in Tom Allen, huh? No, Tom Allen's done a great job this year. I just like how Tennessee played down the stretch, and I like them having a month to get ready for this game. And I mean, you, you want to talk about a turnaround, a mid-season turnaround for Jeremy Pruitt this year. L- l- let's do this quick. But doesn't that make the beginning more inexplicable? Like, yeah, great turnaround, but I mean, they lost to Georgia State at home. That's what I was going to do. I was going to walk through the first five games of the year for Tennessee. They lost 38-30 to Georgia State, and they got a late touchdown in that game to make it closer than it actually was. They lost 29-26 to BYU. Was that an overtime? I believe so, yes. Yes, it was an overtime. They beat UT Chattanooga 45 to nothing in Week 3, and then kind of jumped into the meat of the schedule. 34-3, absolutely dominated by Florida in Gainesville. Came back home... And people actually said, well, they played a little bit better against Georgia, but got beat 43-14. to And then things kind of turned around when Mississippi State rolled into Knoxville. Won that game, low-scoring game, 20-10. to How about the fact that 20-10 to is now a low-scoring game in college football? Yeah. Lost to Alabama and then did not lose again. Closed the season out on a five-game win streak. 41-21 over South Carolina. 30-7 to over UAB, 17-13 to over Kentucky in Lexington, 24-20 to at Missouri, and then 28-10 to over Vanderbilt. Now, those scores aren't necessarily like unbelievable works of art all across the board, but it was five straight wins to get to 7-5. and five. Who is Who gets more off-season buzz this year? To your point a second ago, Borky, is it Texas or Tennessee? Which UT gets more off-season buzz? It's it's still Texas. Yeah, they're just, they're they're more of a national brand at this point. Tom Herman, you know, is more of a national brand. I, I would say that Texas gets gets more. Tennessee will have the SEC country though uh, off-season national championship this year. They did the same thing that they do every year, just in very uh, different order with losing to BYU and Georgia State. But, I mean, for a decade it was Tennessee would lose games early and then beat Missouri and Vanderbilt or whoever, Kentucky at the end of their schedule and win like the last three or four games, throw a Furman in there or something, and everybody would say that, well, now next year is, is the Vols' year. We're back to doing that again. 
I'm going to be fascinated. Now, if Tua comes back, there's no fascination because you know what the answer is going to be. But if Tua Tagovailoa does not come back to Alabama, I'm going to be fascinated to see who's picked to win the league next year. Georgia seems like likely is going to be replacing Jake Fromm. Florida, 11 wins this year. Well, look at everybody else in the league. Just kind of take a peek ahead to next year. After we come back with you. Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line 601-879-4395. Kevin. Bulldogs' goal should not be to beat Ole Miss every year, as Richard seems to say. They should wipe their feet on that doormat every year. State's goal should be to complete, uh, compete to win championships against elite teams, not teams with four and eight records. Sorry to burst your bubble, or bust your bubble, Rich, from Kevin. Kevin, I responded to you. If you're still listening, you can read it on your text message, but I'll also say it right here. I have literally, not figuratively, literally, never said that Mississippi State's goal should be to beat Ole Miss every year. Lots of Mississippi State fans have said that through the years. If you were listening earlier today, you uh, you might have noticed that I'm the one that pointed out that just beating Ole Miss and getting to a bowl game should not be Mississippi State's goal. I did say in the text back to you, Kevin, if it makes you feel better to continue to put those words in my mouth, by all means, carry on. Like, we talked specifically about that today. (laughs) Here's a message. He's having a rough day. He says, maybe he confused with Mullen, uh, confused you with Mullen, Richard. That's from Mickey. Ah, well. Got to beat Ole Miss. Got to beat the School of North. Um, Richard and Wiggins says they're giving me hell today. I guess so. New year, new you. Two biggest topics of conversation on this Thursday, the second day of 2020. The announcement from Ole Miss about hiring three new assistant coaches. But frankly, Charlie Patridge from Michigan and... Say it for me, Borky. Joe John Finley. Joe John Finley and from it, Texas A&M. You keep saying Charlie. I, I believe it's Chris. Chris Patridge? Yes. Where did I get Charlie? I, I don't know. Is there Chris another Charlie Kwanzo? Patridge out there somewhere? It's Quanzo Patridge, I think. Um, Charlie Patridge is an American football coach at, uh, I, I believe, the... He was the head coach at Florida Atlantic, uh, Lane Kiffin's predecessor. And he is currently the associate head coach and defensive line coach at Pittsburgh. Okay. Chris Patridge from Michigan, Joe John Finley from Texas A&M, and DJ Durkin most recently as a consultant with the Atlanta Falcons. But obviously the reason that he's being talked about, as opposed to just being another hire by Lane Kiffin, is because of all that happened in his time at Maryland surrounding the death of Jordan McNair. So that has been 
one conversation topic today, and the other has been the future of Joe Moorhead at Mississippi State. We got a text earlier. Hey, Dad, I'm, I'm actually curious about this. I was thinking about it earlier today. If Keith Carter and Ole Miss had not made the decision that they made to move on from Matt Luke, decisive, quick, and surprising to a lot of people, then would Mississippi State fans be reacting the way they are to Joe Moorhead being retained? Yeah, I mean, like I think we talked about it last week, but I've been thinking about that a lot. Or maybe we talked about it earlier this week. Uh, I, I just the, these these this this the end of this season has everything is just it feels like it's just been one big chain reaction, one big butterfly effect. Something has happened, and that and then this happened. It, it, I feel like it's all connected. So to answer that question, I guess, yeah, I, I think that if Matt Luke were still in Oxford, there wouldn't be as big a push to. Get Joe Moorhead out of Starkville. Hmm. And that kind of goes back to the conversation that we had earlier this week. Right, wrong, or indifferent. In a state of about 3 million people with two SEC teams, everything that one school does is going to be a comparison point to just about everything the other school does. You can like that, you can hate that, but Especially it's kind of the reality. Winning. When they're not winning big, I mean, at Alabama, they don't have to worry. They don't worry. Not that they aren't worried about Auburn, but at the end of the day, Alabama has its own set of, of goals, and, you know, whatever Auburn does or doesn't do doesn't really affect them that much, and I think it's sort of the same way with with Auburn versus Alabama. But for State and Ole Miss right now, I mean, you're just trying to get away from each other a little bit, and the only way to do that is you have to – Look at what the other guy's doing right now. Yeah. That's not going to change either. Yeah. No. We got 150 years of college football history that tell you it's not going to change. Two hours in the books with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. College football fix coming your way when we continue on this Thursday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. We're back after this. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon. Glad to have you along on the second day of the new year. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad. Rippy will rejoin us tomorrow. Thanks for being along for the ride. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Again, 601-879-4395. That's how you can be a part of the conversation. Ceasefire encourages you to experience health care on call with the Ceasefire Health app. Skip the waiting room and get treated by a UMMC clinician right from your phone from anywhere in Mississippi. Plus, for a limited time, visits are just $29 for Ceasefire customers. Learn more at cspirehealth.com. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com and find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. But it's not just the trucks. It's the SUVs. It's the vans. It's the cars. Great deals. Some great savings still happening 
as we roll into the new year. Visit your local Mississippi Ford dealer and test drive the car, truck, van, or SUV that you like today. So let's talk a little bit about the Sugar Bowl. A few things, Borky, you wanted to get to from this game last night, and we'll get into some of the other board, uh, bowl games as well. 26-14, to 14, Georgia over Baylor last night. A really scary moment late in the game where Charlie Brewer, the quarterback for Baylor, uh, went down with an apparent head injury. It didn't really look like it was as a result of the hit as a result of his head bouncing off the turf. He also had a, uh, a concussion issue in the Big 12 championship game, and that's going to be concerning for Baylor. Multiple concussion-type injuries, multiple head injuries in a relatively short period of time. Do you guys look at that and, and see, okay, guys have concussions all the time. It's part of the game. But when you have multiple pretty serious-looking injuries in a relatively short period of time, that's scary to the point of you wonder if a guy is going to continue to play football? Yeah, even though apparently on the on the way out, he was trying to convince them to let him off and get back in the game, if you can believe that. He looked like he had no idea where he was. And that's obviously from watching on television. But, I mean, when he, he got up so slowly and they carted him off, and he kind of helped him to the sideline. It, was, it happened right on the sideline. They got him a little farther off the field and ultimately put him on the back of a golf cart and took him back into the, the team area. It was scary looking. Yeah, and especially when they're that close together, it, you should uh, hopefully, and it, now that their season's over, he will, but that happened. I, I forget to who, somebody in the NFL earlier in the season, and they forced him to take like four weeks off because he had two straight games with two concussions and uh, there's still just so little we know. Like, you have some sports writers that will speak definitively about the effects of CTE and, like, what it does and that it's only an NFL problem when now that they've found that people that have never played contact sports in their life have high levels of CTE in their brains. It's so yeah. um, unresearched that, of course, you err on the side of caution, but you have these people that speak definitively about it, and they don't really know for sure. But I do know that... Even when I was playing high school ball over a decade ago, they were telling, like, we had to sign release waivers that you know the risks that come with playing football. All these guys at this point know what's coming. It is part of the game. It's a violent game, and you live with your own decisions, I guess. Charlie Brewer is a junior, and so assuming he is healthy, he will be the starting quarterback that Ole Miss will face in Houston to open the 2020 season. Question with regard to Baylor and that particular game is whether or not Matt Rule will be the head coach. There are a bunch of NFL teams that want to talk to him. He has very openly said he will talk to NFL teams, but it's got to be the absolute perfect situation because he's in a really, really good spot with where he is right now at Baylor. Jake Fromm was 20 of 30 for 250 yards, a couple of touchdowns. Actually missed on a couple of uh, throws that could have made those numbers even better. Story of the game last night for Georgia was the freshman wide receiver George Pickens. 12 catches, that was a Georgia bowl game record for 175 yards and a touchdown. Pickens was unstoppable in that game last night against Baylor. And that's an area that Georgia struggled this year. They did not have consistent play out of the wide receiver group throughout the course of the year had a bunch of drops 
completion percentage was down about seven percentage points this year for Jake Fromm. And uh, one of the things that Kirby Smart said was, you know, part of the reason that that's been the case is because we've had a bunch of drops throughout the course of the year. Um, we will have to wait and see. Uh, you know, read into whatever you want to post game last night from Jake Fromm with what he said. Holly wrote, tried to kind of hint around about, you know, if this is your last game, what does it meant, et cetera. And he didn't take the bait at all. Neither did Kirby Smart. But it kind of feels like that maybe Jake Fromm has played his last game at Georgia. Bigger question here. Georgia ran an offense that looked like the offense that Alabama ran pre-Lane Kiffin. It looked like the offense that LSU ran pre-Steve Ensminger slash Joe Brady. Do you guys anticipate Kirby Smart evolving offensively, or do you think they will continue to try and run the same kind of we're bigger than you and meaner than you and badder than you on the offensive line and we are going to run the football in kind of a pro-style set. What what do you anticipate Georgia looks like offensively going forward? They're going to feel really dumb if they make that kind of switch and then they just let Justin Fields go. It's the first thing that comes to mind with that. But uh, they don't really have a whole lot of choice. You know, They're great defensively, one of the best in the country, year in and year out. They have to come into the 21st century offensively if they want to be a legitimate challenger. And you've seen what Alabama did, and it worked for national titles. And now you see what LSU is doing. I don't see how anybody with any common sense can look at that and go, well, we can easily recruit the same kind of talent that those teams are getting, but we're not going to change our – it's foolishness. They have to change. Hey, Dan, to your point about Georgia's defense, they allowed two, one, two rushing touchdowns all season and no – Zero rushing touchdowns by a running back all year long. Yeah. The two rushing touchdowns they gave up were from a quarterback, no rushing touchdowns allowed by a running back all year. That's crazy. Yeah. They, to me, feel very Mark Richt, Georgia, though. They're recruiting a little bit better, but, man, I mean, look at what's happened to them in big games, and last night was not a big game. DeAndre Swift played in the game, but not really. He had one carry for two yards in the game. They gave it to him on the first play of the game, and he tossed it back for a flea flicker. And he had one other carry for two yards. Zamir White was good, 18 carries, 92 yards, and a touchdown. Do you think there was some sort of an agreement between DeAndre Swift and Georgia? Yes, I'm going to play in the bowl game because... Kirby Smart spoke, uh, spoke effusively about him after the game, his preparation and wanting to be there, wanting to be with his team, and yet Swift had one carry in the game. So did they agree on something going in? Yes, stick with the team, but we're going to protect you? Kind of feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah, something something happened there. Fromm's interesting to me. I'm he, sorry. He, he wasn't hurt. Georgia was down two starting offensive linemen who said not going to play, getting ready for the NFL draft, including their All-American left tackle. And yet they still won 26-14 to and really dominated the game. It was their B team. Hey, the Big 12 saved Texas uh, had a really bad bowl season. One win in a bowl game. Yeah, not a good look. And largely not really that competitive either. What else did you see yesterday that stood out to you? 
Was Minnesota, Minnesota just yes. better than Auburn, period? Yes, yes, and they're better coached. P.J. Fleck, he's, he's going to be there for a while, but yeah, something's going to open up, and he's going to go there, and they're going to. his next move will turn somebody into a powerhouse. Is there a reason for him to make a move? Not today, but I mean, there's always better jobs. There just always are. And, you know, the, the, the only thing with him is this. He is a little, he has a little shtick to him. He's a little gimmicky in terms of, you know, the way he motivates the row of the boat thing. Don't know that that plays everywhere. You know, could he go to USC? I don't know. But wherever he goes, he's, he's a winner. That guy's just a winner. I was positive they were going to win that game. From, from the minute it started. And they did. Two football games remaining in this season, the 2019-2020 bowl season, involving SEC teams. One of them will happen tonight with Tennessee facing Indiana in the Gator Bowl. And then the other, of course, is the national championship game with LSU and Clemson. When we come back, let's look back on the results of the bowl games for SEC teams and see if we've got a takeaway maybe from each game that happened. We'll do that next. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Thursday on Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Rippy will return tomorrow. We're glad to have you along on this 2nd of January, New Year. Thanks for uh, thanks for being with us this afternoon. Uh, it's time for this moment in sports history, brought to you by Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. You can get wave therapy to treat many orthopedic conditions, including heel spurs, tennis elbow, golfer's elbow, shoulder tendonitis, and more. No incisions, no scars, no downtime. You can go back to work the very same day. Contact Acoustic Wave at acousticwavems.com or give them a call at 855-563-6100, 855-563-6100. That is for wave therapy from Acoustic Wave in Ridgeland. On this day, 1961, Ole Miss and Rice in the Sugar Bowl at Old Tulane Stadium in New Orleans. Johnny Vault is the head coach for Ole Miss. The 1961 edition of the Sugar Bowl featured number 2 Ole Miss and the unranked Rice Owls. Ole Miss declared national champions after winning the game in the first quarter Rebel quarterback Jake Gibbs scored on an eight-yard touchdown run. Rice got on the board in the third quarter but missed their extra point, so it was 7-6 to six going into the fourth quarter. Ole Miss put the game away with a three-yard touchdown run from Jake Gibbs, and the Rebels won it 14-6. Rice won just about every statistical category in the game, but their quarterback threw four interceptions, and the team made some key mistakes in the ballgame. Jake Gibbs named Sugar Bowl MVP on this day in 1961, that is today's sports history moment presented by Acoustic Wave. Again, you can find them online at AcousticWaveMS.com or give them a call at 855-563-6100 for wave therapy that will have you back to work the same day with no downtime. All right, results for SEC teams in bowl games this year. A&M was the first SEC team to play. They fell behind 14-0 to Oklahoma State, came back with 7 in the second, 7 in the third, 10 in the fourth, and won 24-21 
over Chuba Hubbard and Oklahoma State. Hubbard went for 158 yards. Texas A&M was not dominant statistically, but they kind of dominated the game, especially after the first quarter. One takeaway, Borky or Haydad, from A&M's win over Oklahoma State. Tells me nothing. Uh, yeah, it's what should have <laughs> happened. Okay. I mean, they beat a backup quarterback. I know Hubbard's great, but they beat a backup quarterback, and Kellen Mond was um, underwhelming. And going into a put-up-or-shut-up year, I know they return a ton of guys. It's like 18 of 22 starters. Uh, nothing that inspired confidence going into the offseason. Kellen Mond threw for 95 yards and a touchdown, but he ran it 12 times for 117 yards in the game, averaged almost 10 yards per carry, had a touchdown run as well. And yeah, I mean, from the beginning, A&M fans, people around that program have pointed to year three as being a turnaround year. Well, a turnaround's not the right way to describe it. As being the year that was really going to matter for Jimbo Fisher. Because there was a pretty significant roster rebuild that needed to happen. They've recruited at a high level through three recruiting cycles. And Kellen Mond will be a senior quarterback next year. They've got to figure out the running back spot. They've invested heavily in the coaching staff and the program. What's A&M got to do next year? I know we've talked about this some. I don't think they've got to win the West. But they probably need to win, what, 10 in the regular season? Yeah. Yep. If they lose to Alabama and LSU, everybody will be fine, but they need to win the rest of those games. I don't know well off the top of my head. You know, They obviously have a Power 5 game. I guess I could look it up. but they, I'm they looking need it up win. for you right now. Yeah, they need to win at least 10. I guess I could get away with nine, but they need to win at least nine. Nine and three with ten in a bowl game. Uh, it's Colorado. They, they have Colorado at home. Abilene, Christian, North Texas, Colorado, and Fresno State are the non-conference games next year. They should be, because I think they'll beat Mississippi State. One, two, three, four, five, six. They should be 6-0 and when they go to Auburn. Okay. And then, and I'll, I'll be honest with you. Wow, their last two games are at Alabama and LSU. Oh, they could be ten and zero. They could be ten and zero and like number three in the country, and then finish, you know, in the Citrus Bowl. Gah. Road game in Tuscaloosa, home game against LSU. Woo, that's tough to close it. That's out. really tough. Final yeah, four should... of the year for A and M are Ole Miss, Vanderbilt, at Bama, and LSU. They should be ten. And, they should be ten and two. Looking at that schedule, they should be ten and two. Maybe the only the only game I would have a question because I don't think Auburn's going to be super great. Imagine that I don't think Auburn's going to be really good next year. <sighs> I mean, yeah, that's that's the only one, and I just only because it's on the road. LSU was the second SEC SEC team to play. That was in the uh, college football playoff semifinal, sixty three to twenty eight, eight touchdowns overall for Joe Burrow, seven passing, four hundred ninety three yards. He was twenty nine of thirty nine. Unbelievable dominance by LSU in that game against Oklahoma. And I know Oklahoma is a cut below the other three, Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU. But that's not a bad football team either. It's a team that won 12 games this year, and they gave up 63 with a chance to go to the playoff. That's right. That's the most measured and accurate take on that game. I saw people call Oklahoma fools gold, and that's just not that is not how that works at all. 
they showed you exactly who they were all season long. They were able to escape a couple of games, notably Kansas State, where they were gifted a first down that they absolutely did not get on the final drive of the game that sealed a win over Kansas State. They were down 28-3 to Baylor. They struggled with Texas. All year long, they showed you it was a good football team, a well-coached football team, but there was nothing at all great about them. Florida beat Virginia 36-28. to It was an eight-point win. Bryce Perkins had four touchdown passes for Virginia. Kyle Trask did what he needed to do. LaMichael Pirine had a monster game, 13 carries for 138 yards. Um... What's Florida going to be next year? They went 11 and 2. Kyle Trask presumably will be the starter next year. Am I am I wrong to presume that that's going to be the case given the way he played this year? No. He'll he'll be the starter. He threw for almost 3000 yards, 25 touchdowns, and threw only 7 interceptions. Yeah. Of course Emory Jones be. is back, Felipe Franks will not be. They should be ten and two again next year. They won't win the East, but I have a lead. feeling they'll compete for it. Well, they'll compete for it because if you're ten and two, you're going to compete right. for it. But I mean, but they're really going to lose compete to, for it. They'll lose to LSU and they'll lose to Georgia. Mullen is showing you that Florida can recruit itself, but they, he, they're not recruiting at as a high enough level to beat LSU and Georgia every year, and that's that's the problem. They'll they'll win those other ten, but they won't win the ones that matter. As of right now. With just this class, which is not everything, one fewer five-star, the same amount of four-stars as LSU right now. I mean, I get that, but look at last year's class and how many of their four-stars didn't make it to campus. I mean, that's what you have to take into Half consideration. The class. Yeah, so what happens again this year? The next SEC team to play was Mississippi State. They lost 38-28 to Louisville. What's your takeaway from that game? Hey, Dad, you were there. State played maybe its worst game of the year. I mean, they really, really, really play badly. I mean, they, they, they look like... It was fourteen to nothing. State was winning fourteen to nothing, but it just fell apart really, really quickly. I thought the game plan was poor. They didn't seem motivated. Nothing worked for Mississippi State on Monday. Kentucky beat Virginia Tech thirty-seven to thirty. The Cats were down thirty to twenty-four with about thirty seconds to play. Stuck it in the end zone to go up thirty-one thirty, and then on a lateral play, knocked the ball loose, scooped it, and took it into the end zone for the seven-point win. Cats cap an 8-5 and five season. You had the uh, fight on the field before the game, but it was before officials were there and could kind of take over jurisdiction. And so Lynn Bowden was able to play, and boy, did he play. 34 carries, 233 yards on the ground, two touchdowns. And the touchdown pass, only the third since the 14th of September, but the touchdown pass to win it against Virginia Tech. Sending out Bud Foster on a high note. <laughs> yeah. What a, what a coaching job by Mark Stoops, who I have admittedly not been very high on, but you, i got to change that opinion, I guess, because he completely changed what they were doing up there because he realized he just couldn't go forward. He made the adjustments. and I mean, if they could replay some games, they might have beaten – they would have beat Mississippi State, and they, they might have held on and beaten Florida. We talked a good bit about Georgia and Baylor. Minnesota 31-24 over Auburn. Auburn tied it up at 24 in the third quarter after trailing at the half. And then Minnesota got a long touchdown pass with about 10 minutes to play. They converted a big fourth down with about three and a half minutes left. It kind of took the opportunity away from Auburn. 
and Auburn finishes nine and four, and all of a sudden, I don't, I not all of a sudden, people got quiet because Auburn beat Alabama. But the bottom line is Auburn fans, generally speaking, don't really like Gus Malzahn all that much. If two back after get this. Hurt. Okay. Hey, Dad, you wanted to say more about Auburn. 31-24, Minnesota beat Auburn in the Outback Bowl. That was one of the early games yesterday. Quarterback for Minnesota threw for 278 and two touchdowns. Just a very so-so game for Bo Nix. I'll be honest, I was surprised by that. I thought he was going to be better with uh, a month of practice between the end of the regular season and the postseason. 17-26, 176, and a touchdown. Yeah, I was just going to say, if Tua doesn't get hurt, that, that that's a five-loss Auburn team right now, which is pretty much what I, I – I had them, I think it's six losses going into the, the bowl season. I, I thought they would lose to Oregon. But, you know, that's what Gus Malzahn is. And he's like a four-plus loss coach. He's done it every year except one. Alabama 35 to 16 over Michigan in the I learned something yesterday. Verbo. Yeah, for, what is that? It's not for VRBO. as long as I have known that the, you know, vacation rental service existed, I've thought it was VRBO that you're not a fan of. No, it's Airbnb. Aren't those the same thing? It's literally the same thing. You don't want to live. You don't want to stay in somebody else's house when you go on vacation. Yeah, but VRBO is more condos, and sometimes it's hotel stuff, and whatever. It's not like people's houses usually. Whatever. I thought it was VRBO though, but they kept calling it Verbo. Had you ever heard that before? Never. Not one time. And you thought that the person who said it was a moron. It just doesn't sound right. Nevertheless, Mac Jones, 16 to 25, 327 yards, three touchdowns, bomb on the first play of the game, and Judy walked into the end zone. Like, literally turned and looked at people and walked into the end zone. And then a big touchdown pass to start the second half as well. Mac Jones has played pretty well on the opportunities that he's had. Najee Harris had 136 yards, a couple of touchdowns on the ground. Shea Patterson, 17-37, 233 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. Will we ever hear Shea Patterson's name again? Nope. <sighs> yeah, He'll get a shot in the NFL. Somebody will take a chance. It's not get, accurate enough. Backup. I agree. No, no, I agree with that, but I, you know, he'll just, somebody will do it. We'll be watching a preseason game next year, and you know, Denver versus uh, Kansas City in the pre, I don't know, in the preseason and in the fourth quarter of week the week two preseason, here comes Shea Patterson. 46% completion in that game yesterday. It was after doing 42 against Ohio State. That's improvement. In the pregame, or right we missed some the... wide-open guys in the first half, too. Oh, my gosh, yeah. Right after, Greg McElroy said that his upside is his extreme accuracy. Hmm. Alabama shut Michigan out in the second half. They trailed 16-14 at the half. Outscored them 21-zip in the second half. In, by Alabama standards, a disappointing year. The Crimson Tide finishes 11-2. They were locked in. They were locked in, and they played well. And if Tua comes back, they'll be the preseason pick to win the SEC. They'll be a preseason top-five team next year, probably a preseason top-three team next year. 
And if Tua doesn't come back, I don't know. Which brings us to the Dylan Moses story. Um, This was strange. So Dylan Moses announced that he was coming back, that he would return to school for next season, but that decision now appears to be in question thanks to a press release from the Moses Law Firm. Dylan Moses' father, Edward Moses, Edward Moses Jr., is an attorney in Baton Rouge. I'm not going to read this entire press release to you, but there are a couple of things that stand out. First of all, after the, you know, the date, January 2nd, 2020, the media contact release at the top of the press release, in all capital bold letters across the top, underneath the heading, it says, Statement from Trust Protector of the Royal Crown. What? I need to have some... We need to redo my stuff here at Super Talk. I want to be referred to like this. Here's the statement. Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Trust Protector of the Royal Crown, Edward uh, Edward Moses Jr., today issued the following statement to clarify Dylan Moses' preliminary decision to forego the 2020 NFL draft and return to the University of Alabama to complete his academic requirements for graduation and to compete in the 2020 NCAA college football season instead. In the spring of 2019, Dylan Moses obtained loss-of-value draft protection on his own after receiving a mid-first-round NFL draft projection. In the fall of 2019, Dylan sustained a season-ending knee injury at practice while preparing for the football season opener against Duke. After the completion of the 2019 football season, the NFL Advisory Committee issued Mr. Moses a second-round NFL grade should he decide to forego his senior season and enter the NFL draft early. That's where it kind of gets interesting. We are investigating whether he has a compensable loss-of-value claim against his current insurance carrier, Lords of London. We also represent his interests during negotiations with the University of Alabama to ensure and to secure the proper protections for his return back to the University of Alabama's football team for his senior season. So they're trying to figure out whether or not they're going to be able to claim whether or not they are going to be able to successfully receive a claim for loss of value from from a mid-first-round NFL draft projection to a second-round projection. The final paragraph says, We are aware that Mr. Moses has recently given an unadvised commitment to return to the University of Alabama. (laughs) However, under the provisions of the trust... His Majesty is not allowed to make unilateral decisions. We are currently investigating his loss of value claim, and we are in negotiations with the University of Alabama for his return to the team. So we have advised Mr. Moses to maintain his preliminary decision to return, but to make his final decision on January twentieth, 2020, which is the deadline for underclassmen to declare 
for the NFL draft. Edward Moses Jr., attorney at law. It's legitimately insane. You said you weren't going to read the whole thing, but I guess you didn't read the whole thing. Yeah, but it kind of felt like I needed to. <laughs> I've never heard of Lords of London. That's that's a new one. Oh, no, that's a, that's a big-time insurance company out of England. No, Lloyd's of London is a big-time insurance company oh. out of England. Oh, you got Lords me, hey, Dad. of London is like, I don't know, maybe it's like one of those Dungeons & Dragons games. <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah. Megan Markle com- married one of those. I completely whipped <laughs> on that. My wizard casts Fireball in the game of Lords of London. I mean, this is terrible, right? Though, I mean, it's his Majesty's of the trust, Borky. His Majesty is not allowed to make unilateral decisions. Yes, I'm calling Rippy His Majesty tomorrow. It's ridiculous, though. I mean, this is a college kid having a decision about his own life being taken from him. Like it's goofy and stuff, and it's it's really funny. But digging deeper, it's sad, isn't? If if indeed you are his majesty, don't you kind of by definition get to make <laughs> unilateral decisions? That's what I thought. Yeah. Like, what's the point of being the king? Statement from trust protector of the royal crown. We need some music, Borky. We need like some Game of Thrones in the background while this is happening. <sighs> this is fantastic. I I, I will. I have a friend who's in the Game of Thrones on the on the Alabama beat. I may have to see if he'll refer to Dylan as Your Grace when he sees him. Oh, next. that'd be great. Your Grace. His dad is the hand of the king. I get it now. Uh, the Moses Law Firm bills itself as your workers' compensation attorney. Yeah. I'm going to Alexander Shunara or nobody at all for that. I promise you. Isn't it Shunara? It doesn't matter what his name is. It doesn't matter. It, the billboard guy. Well, okay, Lords of London. Hey, it's different. <laughs> Maybe it does matter. This is... Borky, you may be onto something. Kid says I'm coming back. And Dad goes, nah, not so fast, because I'm the protector of the uh, His Majesty. Or he wants to get his cut. Well, we said he's in negotiations with Alabama to bring him back. What does that mean? Well, I mean, sure. Okay, let's give a little bit of credit here. They're negotiating with Alabama on how big an insurance policy Bama's going to take out on Dylan Moses. I guess. And and, and that's reasonable because schools are allowed to do that. They're allowed to pay those. My goodness. Protector? <laughs> what was it? Trust protector of the royal crown. Warden of the North. I love it. Sports Talk Mississippi.
Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.